Chapter 22, Losers, Winners. Saturday morning, a new message was posted in the elevator. I, Turtle Wexler, confess to those four bombs. I'm sorry, it was a dumb thing to do and I won't do it again. But I am not the burglar and I never murdered anybody ever. Your friend, Turtle. P.S. To make up for scaring you, I will treat everybody here to an exquisite Chinese cuisine dinner when I win the inheritance. Poor Grace, Mr. Who said. One daughter almost killed, the other one a bomber. Smart Alec kid. First she blows up my kitchen, then she advertises my cuisine. Win the inheritance? Ha! Maybe I'm, lu- I'm lucky my son is a dumb jock. Boom, Madam Who said happily. She knew where they were going. Always on the day when Doug ate six eggs for breakfast, he ran around and around a big track and people clapped and gave him a shiny medal. Doug was so proud of his medals. She would never take them, not even the gold one, not even if it took her two more years to pay to go back to China. No, she would never take Doug's medals. She would never sell that wonderful clock with the mouse who wears gloves and points to the time. You must be out of your mind, Jake Wexler. Go to a track meet with all those people pointing at me, snickering, saying, Look, there she is, the mother of Cain and Abel. I'm not even sure I have the nerve to show my face at the Westinghouse tonight. Come on, Grace. It'll do you good. The podiatrist urged his reluctant wife down the third floor hall. Stop thinking about yourselves for a change. Think how turtle poor turtle must feel. Don't ever mention that child to me again, not after what she did to Angela. I never told you this, Jake, but I've always had a sinking sensation that the hospital mixed up the babies when turtle was born. It's no wonder she wanted to blow us all up. Grace's despair exploded in anger. Oh, I get it. You're putting the blame on me. If you had given her a good talking to about kicking people when I asked, she might not have ended up a common criminal. Whatever became of the fun-loving woman I married? What was her name? Gracie Winkloppel? Grace quickly looked around to see if anyone had overheard the ugly name, but they were in the elevator alone. Oh, I know what people think. She complained. Poor Jake Wexler. Good guy. Everybody's friend. Married to that uppity would-be decorator. Well, Angela's not going to have to scrimp and save to make ends meet. She's going to marry a real doctor. I'll see to that. Sure you will, Grace. You'll see that Angela doesn't marry a loser like her father. A real doctor, she says. A podiatrist is a real doctor. Well, it is these days, but when he went to school, it was different. He could have gone back, taken more courses, but he was a ma- he was married by then, a father. Oh, who's he kidding? Grace is right. He is a loser. Next, she'll mention having to give up her family because she married a Jew. No, she never brings that up. Grace, with all her faults, would never do that. The elevator door opened to the lobby. Grace turned to her silent, sad-eyed husband, the loser. Oh, Jake, what's happening to us? What's happening to me? Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not a nice person. Jake pressed the closed door button and took his sobbing wife into his arms. It's all right, Gracie. We're going home. The doors opened on the second floor. Mom, what's the matter with her, Daddy? She's crying. 
Gee, Mom, I'm sorry. It was just a few fireworks. If her mother ever found out who the real bomber was, she'd really go to pieces. Turtle looked even more like a turtle today with her sad little face peering out of the handkerchief tied under her small chin. Let go of the door, Turtle, Jake said, and have a good time at the track meet. You too, Mrs. Bomback. Track meet? They weren't going to a track meet, and they sure were not going to have a good time. Grace was still sobbing on Jake's shoulder as he led her into their apartment. Mother, what's the matter? What's wrong with her, Dad? Nothing, Angela. Your mother's just having a good cry. Why don't you and Miss Pulaski leave us alone for a while? Come, Angela, Seidel said, prodding her with the tip of one of her mismatched scratches. We have some painting to do. Angela looked back at the embracing couple. Her father's face was buried in her weeping mother's tousled hair. They had not asked how she got home from the hospital by taxi. They had not asked if she was still in pain, not much. They had not even peeked under the bandage to see if a scar was forming on her cheek. There was. Angela was on her own. Well, that's what she wanted, wasn't it? Yes, yes it was. She uttered a short laugh, and her hand flew up to the pain in her face. Do I look funny or something? No, I wasn't laughing at you, Sidel. I'll I'd never laugh at you. It's just that suddenly everything seemed all right. It's all right, all right, her partner replied, unlocking the four locks on her apartment door. Tonight's the night we're going to win it all. Were they? The will said look for a name. They had a song, not a name. Oh, beautiful, four spacious skies, Sedell began singing. Four purple waves of grain. Not purple, Angela corrected her. Amber, for amber waves of grain. Amber. Judge Ford paced the floor. Tonight, Sam Westing would wreak his revenge unless she could prevent it. If she was right, the person in danger was the former Mrs. Westing. And if Turtle was right about the wax dummy, Sam Westing himself might be there to watch the fun. There was a knock on her door. The judge was surprised to see Denton Deer, even more surprised when he wheeled Chris Diderakis into her apartment. Hello, judge. Everybody else in this in the building is going to the track meet, it seems. I passed Sandy on the way out, and he said you wouldn't mind having Chris for part of the afternoon. I've got to get back to the hospital. Hello, Judge F Ford. Chris held out a steady hand, which the judge shook. You're looking well, Chris. The medicine helped a lot. It's a big step forward, the intern said. Wrong word. The kid may never leave that wheelchair. An even more effective medi medication is now in the developmental stage. That really sounded pompous. Well, so long, Chris. See you tonight. Thanks, Judge. He knows lots of b big words, Chris said. Yes, he certainly does, Judge Ford replies. What was she going to do with this boy here? She had so much to think about, so much to plan. You can work. I'll birdwatch, Chris offered, wheeling to the window, his binoculars banging against his thin chest. Good idea. The judge returned to her desk to study the newspaper clippings. Mrs. Westing, a tall, thin woman. She may no longer be thin, but she would still be tall. About 60 years old, if Sam Westing's former wife was one of the heirs, she had to be Crow. Look, 
Chris shouted, startling the judge into dropping her files to the floor. She rushed to his side, thinking he needed help. Look up there, judge. Isn't it beautiful? High in the fall sky, a V of geese was flying south. Yes, it was a beautiful sight. Those are geese, the judge explained. Canada goose. Branta C. Canadensis, Chris replied. The judge was impressed, but she had work to do. Stooping to gather the dropped clipping, she was confronted by the face of Sam Westing. The photograph had been taken 15 years ago. Those piercing eyes, the Van Dyke beard, the short beaked nose, like a turtle's. The wax dummy in the coffin had been molded in the former image of Sam Westing as he had looked 15 years ago, not as he looked now. She searched the folder, no recent photographs, no hospital records, no death certificate. Just the accident report from the state highway police. Dr. Sidney Sykes suffered a crushed leg and Samuel A. W. Westing had several facial injuries. Facial injuries? It was the face that had disappeared 15 years ago, not the man. Westing had a different face, a face remodeled by plastic surgery, a different face and a different name. Now what? Her gaze rested on her charge at the window. Feeling her eyes, Chris turned around. The boy has a nice smile. I hope you're better at filing, filling cavities than making false teeth, Turtle said, gripping the arms of the dentist's chair. In a glass cabinet against the wall, three rows of dentures grinned at her with crooked teeth, overlapping teeth, notched teeth. Those faults are what makes the dentures look real, the dentist explained. Nothing in nature is quite perfect, you know. Now open your mouth wider wider. Ow! Turtle screamed before the probe touched the tooth. Just relax, young lady. I'll tell you when to say ow. Turtle tried to think about other things. False teeth, buck teeth. That rotten buck tooth Barney Northrup stopped by this morning to tell the Wexlers they would have to pay for all the damage done by the bombs. Barney Northrup had called her parents irresponsible and had called her something worse, much worse. He sure was surprised by that kick. It was one of the hardest ones ever. Now you can say, ow, the dentist unclipped the towel from her shoulder. Turtle passed her tongue over the drilled teeth. She had not felt a thing, but the real pain was yet to come. Flora Bombach was taking her to a beauty parlor to have her single hair cut off. To have her singed hair cut off, sorry. College teams from five states competed in the first indoor track meet of the season, but the big event, the mile run, was won by a high school senior. That's my boy, that's my dog, Mr. Who shouted, one voice among thousands cheering the youngster on his victory lap. Cameras flashed as Doug posed, smiling broadly, index fingers high in the air. I owe it all to my dad, he told reporters, and cameras flashed again as Doug flung an arm around the proud Mr. Who. Just wait until the next Olympics, the inventor thought. With Doug's feet and my inner soles, he'll run them all to the ground. Later that evening, Madam Hu, chattering in unintelligible Chinese, made it known that she wanted Doug to wear his prize to the Westinghouse. Standing on tiptoe, she placed the ribbon over his bent head and patted the shiny gold medal in place on his chest. Good boy, she said in English. A saddened Sandy returned to apartment 4D. 
Hi, Chris. Do you, did you talk to him, Judge? Talk to whom? Barney Northrop. He was waiting at the front door when I got back from the track meet, mad as a wet cat. Said he had lots of complaints about me, never being on duty, drinking on the job, lies like that. He fired me right on the spot. I told him you wanted to see him, figuring you might be put in a good word so he'd let me stay on. No, Mr. McSellers, I'm sorry, but I haven't seen Barney Northrup since I rented this apartment. Barney Northrup was the Westing's that Barney Northrup was that Westing's disguise, false buck teeth, slick black wig, pasted on mustache? Well, it's not the first time I got fired for no cause. The dejected doorman blew his nose loudly in a Westing man-sized hanky. Hey, Chris, bet you don't know the Latin name of the red-headed woodpecker. That was a hard one, Chris had to say. Melanerpes ithrocephalus, very slowly. Some smart kid, hey, judge? Chris, the judge and I have a little business to discuss. Excuse us for a minute. Judge Fort joined the doorman in the kitchen. Our game plan is this, Mr. McSouthers. We give no answer, no answer at all. Our duty is to protect Westing's ex-wife. Crow, Sandy guessed? That's right. There's something else that's been bothering me, Judge. I know it sounds crazy, but, well, I found out Otis Amber doesn't live in the grocer's basement. And he's not as dumb as he pretends. He's a snoop and a troublemaker, and I don't think he is who he says he is. And who do you think Otis Amber is, the judge asked. Sam Westing. Judge Ford leaned against the sink and pressed her hand against the cabinet. If Sandy was correct, she had played right into the man's hands. Sam Westing's hands. Come on, Crow. You always like to get there early to open the door for people. Crow had stopped in the middle of the steep road to stare up at the Westing house. I've got a funny feeling that something evil is waiting for me up there, Otis. It's a bad house, full of misery and sin. He's still there, you know. Sam Westing is dead and buried. Come on, if we don't go up, we gotta give the money back, and we already spent it on the soup kitchen. I feel his presence, Otis. He's looking for a murderer, Violet's murderer. Stop scaring yourself with crazy notions. You sound like you're on the bottle again. Crow strode ahead. I didn't mean that, Crow, honest. Look up there at the moon. Isn't it romantic? Somebody's in real danger, Otis, and I think it's me. And that's the end of chapter 22.